And welcome to the RAW podcast at Manchester Metropolitan University. This series will explore the Anthony Burgess cassette archive. Anthony Burgess was born in Manchester in 1917. He published more than 50 books, including A Clockwork Orange and Earthly Powers, and he composed around 250 musical works. His wife Liana carried a cassette recorder at all times to capture her life with the author and their son. The archive now contains these intimate recordings and has been remixed by 23 artists in a new project which provides unique insight into Burgess. Find out more about the project at subrosa.net. Stick around for the whole episode series to find out more about Anthony Burgess from Andrew Biswell, director of the Foundation, the most unusual things in the archive from Anna Edwards, the Foundation's archivist, how the project came about from Alan Dunn, artist and producer, and how Scanner, aka Robin Rimbaud, worked with the archival material. We'll also get to hear some of the archive recordings and adaptations too. So stay tuned. In this episode, Matt Foley interviews Alan Dunn about the project's origins. My name's Alan Dunn. I'm an artist and lecturer at Leeds Beckett University. For the past year, I've been working with the Anthony Burgess Foundation in Manchester with their cassette archive, from which I produced limited edition double LP CD of archival material and remixes by 20 artists. So let's get into our third episode. Over to you, Matt. Well, I'm delighted to be joined now by Dr. Alan Dunn. Alan, can you say a little bit about how you got involved with the Anthony Burgess Foundation? Hi, yeah, the Burgess project, which I've been working on for about 12 months, came through a conversation, a mutual colleague who teaches at Manchester Metropolitan, Professor Andrew Biswell, mm. director of the Burgess Foundation. Andrew said, oh, we've got 1,000 cassettes here from Liana, primarily, Anthony's second wife. We're not quite sure what to do with them. Cassettes, for my generation, are, are a fascinating object. It was the first time we could really, you know, take control, remix, splice, make your own compilations. So immediately I went over to meet the Burgess Foundation and they said, Alan, why don't you have a think about what you could do with the cassette archive? And when you were given the, the kind of digitised audio, I understand you then kind of went away and found some artists to have conversations with these tapes. We identified initially 14 of the key audio excerpts. So the very first time Burgess was was recorded, his voice, the very last time in 93, a lot of his wife and his son, Andrew, his wife, Liana. And I wanted this to be about more than just Anthony Burgess, more than A Clockwork Orange. We had this idea of conversations, of inviting 14 artists, students, musicians, just to have conversations with these archival recordings. And, and people have worked with new people, and I hope a, a good mix of people who knew about Burgess a lot, Scanner, for example, has been interested in Burgess since Robin was a teenager. Others, like myself, use this project to find out more about Burgess. I knew mm. Clockwork Orange and a few other books from my teenage years. Remarkably, the recordings sort of split themselves into half for Anthony, Liana and Andrew's voice and another half into the sound effects of the, the answering machine, the... Liana would leave the tape recorder just running on a balcony, the sounds of the kids messing about. So it was one half very much about the human voice and one half about the um, sort of sonics of having mm. a cassette recorder through the primarily late 70s, 80s, 90s. Were you aware of his status as a, as a composer as well as a, a writer? 
very early days in the in the archive and the foundation, I realised that Burgess was a very funny man, a composer, a family man, occasionally a grumpy, gruff, frustrated man, incredibly hard worker. I find myself drawn to people who are prolific. A, it gives you lots of material to work with, but B, it creates a possibility to link maybe a composition that he did with a play, with a skit, where he's trying to learn new languages, he's recorded lectures that he's given. There are lots of cross wires when someone is mm. so prolific. In terms of the, the structure of the, the record, it's a, it's a double vinyl and you've got the, the music on, on one double vinyl and then the recordings themselves on, a, on, on another. What was the thinking behind the structure of, of the records? Guy Mark Hinault, who runs a record label, actually suggested that we produce a second album of the archival material. In a sense, you're giving the listeners the raw material and then you're giving them the conversations. I think every piece of archival material has been used somewhere in the conversation and remake. Some of it's buried and distorted so much. So one album maps over the other album, mm. if that makes sense. The the cassettes themselves, they, they document, you know, the, the final years of Burgess's life. And do you get a sense from the recordings of a, a melancholy about that? Or is it more life affirmative in his, in his final years? This comes from Liana. Liana very much near the end wanted to record everything to create a sonic mm. record of this man she was living with. She became his agent. There's a lot of business talk on the cassettes. She did want to capture, squeeze every audio second out of Anthony as, mm. as he got ill. He was a heavy smoker. He had lots of health issues. It was inevitable that this last cassette from 1993, Liana would press the stop button one last time. As far as we know, there's no recordings of the family after he dies. But that last time she presses the stop button, that seems quite significant. It's to do with the cassette recorder, the why we record things and tape dying, distorting, etc. So overall, really beautiful project to work on with the foundation and the record label and the my collaborators. We did a launch in Manchester, and mm. the director said Anthony would would approve of the project. Mm. So that was perhaps a nicest compliment. No reviews yet, but nice that Anthony Burgess would approve. And what was it like at the launch hearing some of the music live? Did it feel as if the live pieces were in conversation with the recorded pieces themselves? When we launched the album, we had three performances from the Reverend Max Ripple, David Birchall and Scanner. Each of those three artists presented another remix, another conversation with their own piece, which sets their archival material even further back. David Birchall even produced some balloons because he had a children's party. That was very Burgessian because Burgess responded to kids being in his house. The Reverend Max Ripple gave a reworking of his piece set within a 20-minute sermon, which was almost like the ghost of Burgess, playing with language, playing with an upper-class mm. English background, playing with quite a kind of raunchy Manchester sense of humour. And Scanner used a method where he didn't know which original archival material would be called up during a live performance. So I did a bit of chance and like picking a cassette out and not being quite sure what's on that tape. Coinciding with that, the foundation put on a really nice exhibition downstairs of the cassettes and some other contextual material. We really need to be listening to these more than just listening to something, keeping them contemporary, getting artists to rework them, mm. find new nuances that perhaps a historian or archivist might not recognise, but hopefully a set of artists can reveal new new things. OK, Dr Alan Dunn, thank you very much for your time. been a pleasure. Thank you. We will finish the episode with a clip from the launch event, including a section from Reverend Max Ripple's performance and from David Birchall's performance too. Hi everybody, welcome to the International Anthony Burgess Foundation. Thanks for uh, coming along tonight. 
So I'll explain what's about to happen. You're going to hear three acts. We'll start with the Reverend Max Ripple and then David Birchall. And then um, it's a great privilege then to welcome Scanner. So uh, enjoy the gig. Let's welcome onto the stage the Reverend Max Ripple. Enjoy the night. Thank you very much. So um, tonight we celebrate the work of Anthony Burgess. Anthony was a musician and, and a writer. So what I'm going to do for this one is to mime it. And this is, this is, this is very David Bowie, so really cool, okay? Love, theatre, love, theatre, love, theatre, love, sex, theatre. Love, sex, theatre, love, sex, theatre. The book is, a, is meant to make you laugh. Love, sex, theatre, love, sex, theatre. Writing it was hard work, writing always is. Love, sex, theatre, love, sex, theatre. There are other things too. The book is, a, is meant to make you laugh. Next up, here's some of David Birchall's performance. Give to him. He wrote Shakespeare into a monster. An icon, a monument, a venerable being. I want to suggest to you that we do great wrong to Shakespeare's memory by this awed but rather He wrote Even a frightening image, but hardly a human. for our next episode to hear Scanner's performance and all about his experience of playing with the archival material to produce his finished piece for the project. All of our previous episodes are available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tune back in soon for more episodes. This episode of the RAR podcast was presented by Matt Foley.
Presented, produced and edited by Lucy Simpson and mixed by Julian Holloway.